Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to Shred's Takes. Um, this is my first podcast uh, talking about the sports world. Uh, I'm here with Will Phelan, um, sophomore basketball player at Amherst College. Uh, so we're here to talk about a little sports and uh, give you guys some fun content during these uh, rough times of coronavirus. Um, so, yeah, I guess, uh, Will, uh, how's, uh, how's life been with the coronavirus? Um, what do you what have you been up to? Um, how are you been able to, um, you know, prepare for um, the season next year? And like you know, like how are you living through this times? I guess. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on, man. Um, you know, it's been rough. It hasn't been easy. I mean, for everybody, I think it's been rough. You got to find different ways to adjust and uh, make the most of your time and. Um, I think self-care is one of the best ways to do that. So luckily I'm blessed with a, a mini court out in my backyard. So I've been able to get up shots and um, workouts. I don't, I don't have many weights at my house. So I've had to kind of adjust in that way and use kind of weighted bags and fill in my backpack up with uh, basically anything heavy I can get to do squats and, uh, and uh, things like that. So you know, we find ways to adjust. It, it stinks. I, I feel really bad for all the teams that would have had a chance to make a tournament run this year. Uh, pretty heartbreaking for, for seniors that uh, don't get that chance to play at that big stage. But, you know, it's tough for everybody, and we just got to stay safe and look out for those who are in the – who are at risk the most, you know? Yeah, no, agreed. Um, you know, obviously for me it's been kind of the same boat. Um, you know, obviously I have – you know, I have an opportunity to get like, like a, there's a hoop nearby uh, my house where I'm able to go shoot and that kind of stuff. And like, I'm in the kind of same boat as you. I don't have a lot of weights at my house. So it's kind of difficult to, you know, do weightlifting without, you know, using uh, weights, but you can, you know, obviously improvise and use your imagination to a sense. But, um, you know, obviously it's, it's difficult for a lot of athletes, um, especially guys who don't necessarily have access to basketball hoops or that kind of stuff. Uh, it's difficult because, you know, as an as a basketball player, especially, you know, you want to be able to, um, you know, work on your game in the off season and get yourself ready to, you know, obviously contribute to whatever team you're on. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, last like this past year, we didn't have our best year at Amherst College, so like everyone's super motivated for next year. So it's kind of tough if some guys don't have access to a basketball hoop due to this and uh, that kind of stuff, but. I think more importantly, too, it, I think it's just going to shift how a lot of sports work in the in the future. Um, I think specifically it's going to shift how the NBA is. It already kind of has. Uh, you know, I, I assume you've been aware of how, you know, the, the NBA is kind of trying to figure out when they can resume the season. And uh, I was watching an interesting um, podcast. Uh, it's called Road Trip, and it, and it features uh, Allie Clifton, Richard Jefferson, and Channing Frye. And they had LeBron on it the other day. And uh, – an interesting, interesting thing they talked about was, you know, how they should schedule the the regular season games if it, you know, comes up again. Um, and LeBron's kind of idea was that you basically have the top seed teams play, you know, the lower end teams or like a lower end Eastern Conference team, like whatever happens. And then the West, for example, you have all the teams uh, eight through 11 uh, or eight through 12, I guess, fight out the uh, – spot for who gets the AC like you have each team play each other three times and it's best of three and whoever wins that gets the AC in a sense because obviously when you had um you know that kind of 
situation happen, it takes away uh, a lot of opportunities for those, especially the Western Conference teams to make the playoffs. I was just wondering what you think think of that, and you think that's like an interesting way to go about it, or you think that they should just jump right to the playoffs and uh, you know not have a regular like a regular season kind of exhi- exhibition games for teams to get ready. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting way to go about it. I think that that definitely benefits certain teams more than others, though. Um, I think that there's a season for a reason, and that just kind of switches up the whole dynamic of of the NBA. So I don't know necessarily if they should jump into that. My my In my opinion, I think that, no, I think that they should just take the teams and um, – that are ranked the highest right now after the after the regular season and and have the playoffs. But I'd be interested to hear your opinion and what teams you think would benefit most from it, or or vice versa. Yeah, um, you know, I, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I follow like undisputed a little bit. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of those dudes' opinions, but uh, you know, they're saying how the Clippers would really struggle from that because uh, the Clippers have not played together much the entire year as a full squad. Uh, you know, Kawhi's been injured quite a bit or been on load management. Uh, Paul George has been on the same kind of issue with his hamstring. And, you know, that's that's difficult, especially with the Clippers, from, in my opinion, are the most talented team in the NBA. Um, I don't think this is... By far. By far, right? Like, they have, you know, Kawhi Leonard, top two or three player in the NBA. Uh, you got Paul George, who's arguably a top 10 player in the NBA. Lou Williams, who is the best bench guy in the NBA. Uh, Montrez Harrell, one of the up there as well. And then you know, also got, you know, Patrick Beverly, who's a great defender. Uh, you know, you know, Zubots is not a bad center who, you know, provides good minutes for them when he's in there. Uh, I guess I would change that from by far because thinking about some of the teams this year, you know, you got you got the Lakers with Anthony Davis and Yeah. And, uh, I, and LeBron and you got Golden State still, but they're injured. Um, but I mean there, there are some teams that are up there with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think the Lakers, for example, um, can go in the playoffs and be fine because they have LeBron James. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think the Lakers are the best team. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily the most talent. Like, I don't think they're as talented as Clippers. That's just my opinion. But I think like a team, a team that actually would benefit a lot from this actually, like playing more. I think would have been Milwaukee because Milwaukee would have. Um, like I think Giannis would have gotten more comfortable with his jump shot during the regular season. Um, I actually don't. I'm one of the hot take people that does not have them coming out of the East. Um, I'm actually a big Celtics guy in the tournament. Let's go, baby. Um, and the reason why I believe that is I think the Celtics, yes, they lack a, a really true big guy. I mean, Tice does what he can. But I think the terms of having a lot of playmakers in their team, they have that. And they can wall off the paint. And um, – you know, them or like the Heat, for example. The Heat would be a tough team for Milwaukee as well because you just have to have guys who are physical enough defensively and are you're willing to wall off the paint against Giannis and make him a perimeter shooter. And You know, that's that's interesting that you left out the 76ers, though. What do you think about the 76ers? The, the problem with the 76ers is I'm not, if they get by the first round, like let's say they play the Celtics and they get by the Celtics, which I don't think they will. They would be a really tough. They would be a really tough matchup for the the Bucks, obviously, because Embiid and Simmons and Tobias Harris are great players. The issue is there. I don't. I don't like their maturity. So the issue with their maturity is that they don't necessarily know how to close out games and know how to bring it every night. Like Embiid, especially this year, 
he's had games where he's had like 40 points, 20 rebounds, and he's had games against like at like especially at, at Toronto where he was 0 for 11 from the court and had zero points. And you know, as you know, and that's the problem with 76ers. They have so much talent, and I'm not sure if it's Brett Brown that's the problem there. Um, he might be, um, but I think the problem lies more in the in I think the fact that Ben Simmons just refuses to shoot. Uh, I mean, kind of like myself. Um, but, but uh, you know, then you also have Embiid, who's not like they they they're both very talented players, and I think they could work well together. I just don't think that I think the maturity causes them to not play well against everyone every night. And I think that the issue is unless they're getting to the second round against the Bucks, I think they play the Bucks. I think they could beat them, but I don't think. I, that, I agree with that, but I don't think that they would make it to the Bucks. They wouldn't. I, I see them losing to like the if they get the five seed, for example, losing to the I had them losing to the Heat's. Or like if they play the Celtics, I probably have them losing to the Celtics. To be honest with you, um, yeah. you know, because Embiid actually has proven to show up in the playoffs decently well. Actually, I'll give that to him. But he's never healthy in the playoffs. Like last year against Toronto, he had games where he had thirty points, and then he'd be sick the next game, and he like, would play terrible because he had have like you know nagging issue, issues with his health. Um, and that's like a big problem with Embiid too. Is you just can't you don't know how healthy he'll be come playoff time. Um, well, that's interesting. That's also another team that. You didn't bring up, and that's Toronto. What do you What do you think about Toronto? Some people say they're just as good without Kawhi. Yeah, I I think they're very good. Uh, I think actually they're a much more complete team this year without Kawhi. Because um, I mean, if you watch, I mean, everyone watched the finals last year, and you know, Fred Van Fleet and guys stepped, and Pascal Siakam stepped up, but it was Kawhi Leonard's team, and you know, Kawhi is obviously you know. An, an unbelievable talent in the NBA. I think a guy who always gets undermined a little too much when you bring up like the top players. I mean, everyone knows he is, but like everyone kind of, I think, disses him to a sense when they were comparing him against like LeBron or Giannis in a sense, because everybody's like, oh, Giannis is the MVP or LeBron's the MVP and Kawhi's kind of like that third guy in a sense. Um, yeah, I'd agree with you. I think that after that championship in Toronto, that people have started to put a little bit more respect on his name and, uh, and it'll be interesting to see after this season whether that grows or um, or maybe even goes down. But but I think that before that championship, like when he won the championship with the Spurs, everybody was talking about Tim Duncan and uh, yeah, even though he won MVP, it was just because he guarded LeBron James. Yeah, um, exactly. It's yeah. kind of like the Andre Iguodala situation in 2015, like. LeBron averaged 30 in that series, but since Andre Iguodala guarded LeBron James, they're going to be like, oh, let's give him the MVP. But anyway, going on the Raptors, because I didn't really finish my point there, the Raptors, um, they could be an interesting team. Uh, I just think I think they would lose to the Celtics. That's just my – like I think and, like th- there, there are four, t- four or five teams, I think, in the East that could definitely beat the Bucs if they make Giannis a jump shooter. And Giannis like, has proven he's had games where he's hit shots. But he's very inconsistent, and he's not—that's not his game, right? But um, like, if Giannis like takes advantage of his size and gets down the post and buries people down low, then I think they're going to be a little tougher to stop. Because if Giannis just wants to drive to the basket, um, I mean, I've seen it when LeBron James was younger and couldn't shoot as well. Like teams just wall off the paint. It's very difficult to score because, especially Chris Middleton has only really been good against one team in the playoffs. He's our kryptonite. He is our kryptonite. Whenever he plays the Celtics, he kills us, but he plays like he plays awful against other teams. So yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um I, I mean I, I think it's just interesting. I mean I think the East is not as obviously not I don't think as good as the West, but 
I think there are the, the top teams can can definitely beat the Bucks. Um, you know, I I just I think Giannis is an unbelievable player. Um, I think he's going to be the face of the NBA. Uh, you know, once LeBron James leaves, um, and you know, but you know, I think it's just uh, it's interesting because I think you know he still has so much more work to do, and uh, you know, he's improved a lot this year. Uh, like I'll give him credit that he's like you know an animal. But you know, he, the, the issue is when you get in the playoffs, it's really him a lot of the time. And if Chris Middleton's not showing up, because um, Chris Middleton's an, an all-star, but I wouldn't put him as like, you know, those elite level players. Like he's kind of like on like, like second tier um, of really good players. He's a really good player. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's an all-star for a reason, but uh, that's just like kind of my take on that. Like I think the Raptors are a good team, uh, but I think the Raptors wouldn't give, I, th- I just think the Celtics are honestly the best coached. And yeah, Brad Stevens is, is a great coach. And, and, and you guys also have Marcus Smart, who, in my opinion, in, uh, you know, because I think Draymond Green's kind of dipped off. He's the best utility guy to have in the NBA because he does all the little things that a lot of guys won't do. That doesn't show up in the box score. But you have to admit, like, despite him, the fact that he never shoots a really good percentage, um, he I love Smart. Yeah, you have to love Smart. You know, he's he, he's a dog. And, uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, that, but I think I would say the only downfall for him is is when he tries sometimes he tries to do too much but i mean i love smart but sometimes you don't want to win and lose on him you want the ball in somebody else's hand and he he is just not afraid to take any shot so sometimes he takes shots that he shouldn't but yeah but he is a dog and he does things that other people won't so what do you think of jason tatum I love Jason Tatum. I've loved him since he was in the league. Um, him and Jalen Brown are definitely going to be our future. But um, this year wasn't his best year, I would say. Um, not the last couple, not the last ten games before the uh, coronavirus, and he's averaging thirty points a game in those, some of those games, though. Yeah, but this season he had been very consistent. I agree that he had spurts of greatness, and, and it's what everybody knows that he's capable of doing. But he was a little bit less consistent than in my opinion Jalen Brown um I was always I'm, I'm always a big Jason Tatum guy I think he's going to be our future but um I think that he needs to work on his consistency and his maturity and other than that I think he'll be he'll definitely be an all-star for years to come yeah um, I'm going to switch gears to the western conference and uh I mean we we're talking a little bit about it earlier um, so as of right now, uh, the seedings are the Lakers one, Clippers two, Nuggets three, um, Jazz uh, four. Um, then you got the Rockets in there. Um, you know, you got the uh, Mavericks, you got the Thunder, and then you got the Grizzlies at eight. Um, if you're like, who do you think? I mean, obviously you had the Lakers and you know the Clippers, and everyone thinks they're coming out of the West, but. Who do you think would be a, a you know a dangerous dark horse team that could give some of those teams uh, a run for their money coming back and and who do you think this layoff might help in terms of making them you know maybe a little bit more dangerous come playoff time? Well, you know who I would have said before the season started would have been Houston, but there's absolutely no chance. Now, I, I really don't like them this year, um, the way that they've played. I mean, they don't have any size anymore either. Um, so I guess if I if I had to pick a team to be a dark horse, it would it would have to be the, uh, the Nuggets. I love the Nuggets. I love uh, Joker, the Joker. 
he's tough. And then uh, Mari is also extremely tough. I don't know if this time off will benefit them at all, but I think that if anybody was to, to make a run, it would be them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see what you would think on that, though. Yeah. I'm actually uh... – I think if I were the Nuggets, I would not want to see the Mavericks in the first round of the playoffs. And uh, the reason I think that, I mean, granted, it might be different when they come back, but Porzingis was starting to play really, really well. And okay, yeah. uh, he was Western Conference uh, Player of the Week before the coronavirus hit. Um, he was averaging like like 28 points a game. He had a few like 38-point games. Um, and this is with Doncic even in the lineup. Um you know, and the reason why, like, I think that team will be very dangerous going forward because of how talented those two individuals are. Um, yes. But I think, like, I'm not saying they're a dark horse. I'm saying they might be a fir- tough first round opponent. But I'm with you on the Rockets. Everyone was like, "Oh, small ball's been working," but it was like, you know, a week, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's working well." Uh, the problem is, if let's say the Lakers or the uh, let's say the Clippers play the uh, the Rockets, we saw uh, when they went to Houston uh, before the coronavirus hit. Uh, they beat the Rockets by almost 30 points. And uh, it's because, you know, they, they have no size to guard Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. They have no big guy that can stop Harrell from rebounding and going to the basket. Um, you know, you, you just have no size. And, you know, I'm not a James Harden believer. Uh, there might be guys who are. Um, I actually like Russell Westbrook. Um, I think he gets a little too out of control, but I love the way he plays. And, you know, like the fact that he's willing to take the big shot. But James Harden is notorious for not playing well in the bigger in the later stages of the playoffs, and um, you know you can just back it up by his numbers. He last year when they played the Warriors, he shot thirty percent for the entire playoff series. Like you'll see twenty eight points, but people don't re- like people forget that that man just gets fouled the entire game and shoots you know fourteen free throws and makes like twelve of them, and then you know he ends the game with twenty eight points, but shoots like eight for thirty from the floor. So you know. He's a great player. I mean, he's going to go down one of the greatest offensive players to ever play. But the reason why the Rockets are not going to make it far, in my opinion, um, especially if they play the Nuggets in the first round, they're probably going to lose in like six games just because I don't trust James Harden in big moments. And um, I definitely would trust uh, the Joker and Jamal Murray more because I think they're, uh, they proved last year that they can win big games. Uh, they beat the Spurs in the first round, I remember, last year, and they almost beat the Trailblazers last year. Uh, they took them to seven games, and, you know, the Joker played really, really well in that series. Um, so, I, you know, I think the Western Conference is interesting. I mean, I definitely think it's going to be Clippers-Lakers um, because I yeah. think cause I think, I think the, the Clippers, you know, are are probably have the best – they probably do have the best coach uh, out of any of the playoff contenders. Like I would say San Antonio with Pop is probably the best coach, but the problem is, like, they're not really in playoff contention right now. Um, yeah. But Doc Rivers is a great coach, and um, like he's he's been in the playoffs plenty of times. But two thousand and eight Celtics, baby. Exactly, and he also and, he, and again he also coached the you know the guys to the two thousand ten finals, and also coached the Clippers when they had Lob City. And you know they didn't necessarily make it super far um, with Lob City, but I don't think it was his fault. I think also like I just didn't think that team was the right team to go win a championship. You know they had a lot of talent, but they didn't necessarily play always the best. And Chris Paul is never really healthy. But uh, I think this Clippers team, I mean, I, I have the Lakers going to the finals this year just because I think they are they were on the right track. And, um, like, I think they would beat the Clippers in seven games. I think it would be a really hard-fought series. Um, I think the Clippers will probably be the team of the future after this, though. But I think this year is, is the Lakers' year 
more because I think Anthony Davis is coming into his own because LeBron's kind of letting him do that as the point guard. Um, and I think it's another point I want to bring up. Like, what what have you made of the fact that LeBron James is leading the league in assists um, at age thirty five, year seventeen, still playing like this? It's just I don't know what like what how you think about it, but I think it's unbelievable the way he's playing. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just not a surprise. LeBron's always been one of the best passers in the league. Um, and I think that this year with Anthony Davis on this team, one of the, the best players in the league, um, he's taken on the responsibility of sharing the rock more. Hmm. Um, and I think that the Lakers have really benefited from it. But it's not a surprise at all. I, I mean, if you look at LeBron on every team that he's ever been on, you go back to his high school highlights – in high school games, I was just watching one of his high school games when he played Carmelo Anthony at Oak Hill, and um, he was a great passer even back then. I mean, LeBron has always known how to share the rock, and and he just makes people around him better. I think that's why he's one of the best, if not the best player to ever play the game, is that he's just unselfish, and all he cares about is winning. Yeah. Sorry, we had a little bit of technical difficulties there. Uh, Will, uh, just go back on what you were saying before. My bad. Oh, all right. So, as far as LeBron leading the league in assists, I would just say that it's not a surprise for me. I mean, he's always known how to share the rock. I mean, I was even watching some of his highlight tapes from back when he was in high school when, when he played Oak Hill and Carmelo Anthony. And even back then, he knew how to pass and share the ball. And I mean, he's just always been an amazing, unselfish player. I think that's one of the reasons why he is one of the best players to ever play the game. Um, so it's not really a surprise to me. It's just impressive that he can still play at that high of a level. And I mean, he has one of the best basketball IQs in the world. So it, ma- it makes sense to me why he's able to get that many assists, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's just like, I think, you know, one thing I, I, I've, I'm not saying LeBron, LeBron's not my, like, my, not my favorite player in the league, but it's it's just, it's incredible watching his greatness and seeing what he can just adjust his game to, um, but you know speaking of great players, uh, you probably saw how Kobe, uh, Kevin Garnett, and uh, Tim Duncan were just selected in the Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, obviously as a Boston fan, you you got you gotta love seeing KG uh, get a Hall of Fame nominee. I mean, he meant so much to you guys. But just talk about like what what each of those players you know meant to you as a player with growing up and. Uh, you know, what they mean to you think to the NBA in general and for guys who are looking to be, you know, great basketball players um, in the future, like what those guys meant and what they you know, could inspire young, your youth to be? Well, I think that all three of them really embody the same thing to me, and that that's work ethic. I mean, you think of those three guys, and it's hard to think of anybody with a, with a harder work ethic than Kobe, Kevin Garnett, and Tim Duncan. I mean, it's just the competitive nature. You think about KG walking over to the it still gives me chills to think about KG walking over to the basket at the garden slamming his head off the off the uh, the basket like three times before he gets ready there's always like that head imprint I mean there's nobody who gets as fired up as him Kobe and then you think about Tim Duncan's footwork and post moves like he was towards the end of his career he, he he wasn't the fastest. He couldn't jump the highest, but he was just giving young guys buckets with those post moves and footwork. And I mean, all all three of them just embody hard yeah. work and, and a work ethic. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously everyone, I mean, you know, losing Kobe, obviously, and not having him in the Hall of Fame is very tough for, I think, the entire sports and basketball community in general. You know, Kobe, in my opinion, is a top five, maybe, you know, three player all time. I mean, he just, he, he's, he's, he's one of the greatest, you know, players we'll, we'll ever see play this game. I mean, he's, you know, like the, the, wor- the worst form of Jordan, like his game is very similar to how Jordan played. Uh, a lot of mid-range jump shots, a lot of like, you know, post fadeaways, great defender. Great clutch gene, um, you know that kind of stuff. You know, I think, and I think with Kevin Garnett, you know, you, you think you think about just one of the best defenders at that position to ever play. I mean, Tim Duncan right there too. Tim Duncan was, you know, has one of the most, I think, all the most all defensive teams ever. But you know, Kevin Garnett was just that in, intense kind of, you know, guy yeah, that just. He, oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he he talked so much trash. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember going to a Knicks game when I was younger, and uh, he was there, and he was talking so much stuff to, uh, you know, Anthony Davis and uh, – no, sorry, not Anthony Davis, Amari Stoudemire, I mean, and uh, and uh, Carmelo. And uh, I was I was just sitting there, I'm just like, and I'm, I'm just like, how do you handle this guy? Because this guy, like, he'll, like, block shots after whistles, like, you know, like, block into the stands. And you're like, go to, you're like all right, I'm going to get my – I'm just going to get my extra shots in between timeouts. He just goes and snatches it. Uh, I was watching a uh, – a uh, highlights the other day from his uh, game seven in 2004. This was his MVP year with the Timberwolves against the Kings. And uh, he had 32 points and 21 rebounds and six blocks in this game. And one of the blocks, he went up. This guy thought he had a nice floater. He snatched it out of the air and, and then outlighted it out and ran and got a dunk. And uh, yeah. and, and, that, and, and that, that's just who he was. I mean, that's, you know, he, he, he just didn't care for, you know, anyone else in the court besides his teammates and what he could bring to the table. And he knew that the best thing that he could do was bring that intensity every night, which I think, as a you know fellow big man myself, it's it's really inspiring to watch him because he he shows how you can use your emotions to, to the benefit of your team um, without letting them cloud uh, like how you play and get in the way. Um, in terms of not really showing a lot of emotion, though, you can look at Tim Duncan and uh, just how stoic he always really was and how he was always you know in the moment and how great in terms of footwork. Yeah, like like you said. His footwork was just unreal, and uh, you know, like I obviously only got to watch him when he was like later in his career, but he was still very good then. And uh, you know, he knew how to use his skill level and what his athletic skills brought to the table in order to, I think, become that that great player. And I I think played to his strengths. Um, And and it's interesting how those two opposite ends of the emotional spectrum out of those two players, they both had two of the greatest mental games out there. Um, I mean, Kevin Garnett could get into basically anybody's head, and Tim Duncan would just do it with his game, and he wouldn't give you any... I think Tim Duncan would be one of the people who KG could not get into his head, because he's going to yeah. come out and play his game every single night. No. Same stuff. Yeah. I mean, and then you, then you look at Kobe. Kobe had probably one of the most heart... He had the most heart that was just, like, out there, you know, and because that, 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 that guy would just take any big shot on his team. You know, if Shaq was there, he's like, nah, screw that. I'm, I'm getting the ball, and I'm shooting this. And, uh, you know, you know, and, uh, you know I, I think a lot of people, you know, before, obviously, he died, I think people put a lot of disrespect on Kobe, like not putting him as highly um, in, like, terms of being one of the greatest players of all time. They're always just like, oh, you know, these guys are obviously better than Kobe. And, you know, you have to look at Kobe's career entirely. And, you know, that man was a, a machine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, he's before. He, I mean, after that, he would still be up at like three a.m. in the morning working out. It's like it's absurd, you know. And 
I, I, yeah, you know. I heard some stories about like you know we we go through walkthroughs before before big games or before practices things like that just walking through plays and uh, old Lakers players would talk about how Kobe would be dripping sweat during walkthroughs he'd be working on like reverse pivot moves like all sorts of just foot like yeah. footwork moves without any ball there would be no ball in the uh, in the gym and he would be dripping sweat full full sprint just getting in at work at any any chance that he could and that just he had probably the best work ethic in all the sports in my opinion it's tough to find somebody who has worked harder than he has yeah no i absolutely agree with that and uh you know it, you know, it, it's just it, it's just interesting as like from a basketball community, just like seeing all these great players get inducted now and seeing them play. You know, it's something you can just obviously tell your kids someday and show them how great these kids were, these guys were. You know, um, but yeah, um, I guess the last thing I want to bring up today, um, obviously, you know, everyone's been talking about it, and I want to know at least from you know. A Boston fan's perspective, um, how are you feeling about Tom Brady uh, going to the Buccaneers, and how are you feeling about maybe Jason Stidham being your uh, your new quarterback for the Patriots? And what do you guys see? Uh, what, where do you see the team going? Like, where do you? How do you see? Uh, you know, Belichick uh, leading this team back to the playoffs, or you know, is it going to be a rebuilding year, et cetera? Like, like what? Like, what do you see from the Patriots this year um, that a lot of people are missing? I think. Um, so, obviously, I'm, I'm pretty upset about this. I mean, it's the end of an era with Tom Brady. Um, you gotta be sad. But, I mean, we're in very good hands with Belichick. Um, so, I'm optimistic, as all Pats fans kind of are. We all think that we're the best team that ever played football. So, I'm optimistic. I think that Belichick, I think that inevitably this is going to be a rebuilding year for us. I mean, we weren't good with Brady last year. We had no wide receivers, nobody to catch the ball. Um, so it will be a rebuilding year. It might be a rebuilding couple of years, but I'm optimistic for the future. I'm just sad that that era of Brady is over. And yeah. I wish him the best of luck in Tampa Bay. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm not a Patriots fan, um, but t- in terms of just, like, greatness, right, and how great a team has been for so long. Uh, the Patriots are just like the example of that. And, you know, Belichick's, you know, going to be probably the best coach to ever coach uh, in the NFL, um, or at least one of the top. And then you got Brady, who's the greatest quarterback to ever play, um, greatest player to ever play probably too. Um, you know, in ter- the ultimate winner. And uh, I think that's actually what's going to think. I think Tampa Bay is going to be – I, you know, good next year with him because I think Tampa Bay's got weapons to help him out. Um, you know, Mike Evans is a very good receiver. Uh, they got a, good, a decent running game. Um, you know, Bruce Arians is not a bad coach um, in terms of offense. Uh, you know, he you know coached uh, Andrew Luck for a, a couple of years with the um, Colts, and uh, they, he had one of some of his best years with uh, Bruce Arians under the helm. Um, you know, Bruce Arians wasn't the head coach then; he was the offensive coordinator, but. Um, you know, I think that's just, you know, an interesting look at what's going to happen for him uh, there. Um, I think, you know, obviously he's not going to be the Tom Brady of five years ago, but I think he's still going to be a guy that, you know, you have to, you know, be a little bit afraid of uh, in clutch moments just because, 
you know, you can put Tom Brady in any clutch moment with any team, I think, still, and he could probably still deliver um, a decent amount of time. But, you know, it, I think it's just going to be interesting how they adjust because you have to see what he's like. I mean, he, he could be like Peyton Manning this last year and, you know, not be very good at all. But, you know, um, I think a lot of people are predicting like Tampa Bay is going to be a playoff team, which I think if Tom Brady comes out and plays pretty well, I would see that happening. But if he's, you know, the age really has caught up to him, um, I'm not so sure. Because uh, last year, last year I, I don't think he had a bad year. I think it was more the talent around him and, he, and a horrible offensive line. Um, but, if you know, he's going to have the, the, the bunch of those pieces this year. Um, so we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for next year, actually, in the NFL, because I think there's going to be some surprising teams. Uh, you know, Phillip Rivers is with the Colts now, so that's going to be very interesting. Because um, I think Philip Rivers is also a very good quarterback. That's he's, a, he's, a, he's definitely underachieved in his in his career in the playoffs. But a guy in terms of having great stats, you know, I think it's going to be a very interesting year next year just for every team. Because you know, obviously the Patriots are not going to have Tom Brady next year, so they're not a guarantee necessarily coming out of the AFC East. I mean, I still would probably have them coming out, but yeah. um, you, you know, it's it's not like you know for sure you know they're they're going to. Because but if you have Tom Brady there, you're like yeah, they're coming out. You know, there, there's no way the Jets are going to beat them. No way the Dolphins are going to beat them. You know, uh, that, that kind of stuff. And you know, that's just how it kind of. No way. Like well, the Bills probably actually might might be the best team in the AFC East next year. I'm thinking about it because because the, the Bills got some good upgrades and they and you know, um, but, you know they they do have a great defense and. Um, the Bills are very good next year. Yeah, you know, and and Josh and, and and Josh Allen's a really good, you know an up and coming quarterback. I wouldn't say he's a really good quarterback yet because he. Still isn't very accurate, but um, you know he did prove in big moments last year he can perform decently well. Um, I mean, they, they really should have beaten the Texans last year, um, which I think they, you know, really kind of dropped the ball on that one. But you know, they they have good pieces. But yeah. did you see the uh, DeAndre Op- Hopkins uh, trade to the Cardinals? I did. I did see that. What did you think it's of that? Crazy. I that was the most boneheaded move I think by anyone. I mean, think about it. You have Deshaun Watson as your quarterback. He needs a target to throw to. And DeAndre Hopkins, in terms of wide receivers, is, is arguably maybe the best receiver in the league. And Well, I mean, it seems as though it, it was his choice to leave because of the disrespect that the Texans showed him. Um, I forget the name of their coach, but somebody was comparing. It was their head coach? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, head, the head coach brought him into a meeting. Yeah, I mean, that, that's when you need to go. You need to go Ridiculous, in that situation. yeah. Obviously, he wasn't respected enough there, and I think that he'll be able to fit right in with the Cardinals. I mean, obviously, um, Murray is a great quarterback, and hopefully he continues to prove himself, and now he'll have DeAndre Hopkins to throw the ball to. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, it was an awful trade for the Texans, um, and they really lost out. That guy should be fired for what he said to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, But... You know, you live and you learn. I'm interested in – you seem to have a lot of respect for Tom Brady, and as a non-Patriots fan, that's usually pretty rare. Um, a lot of people tend to say that he's just a system quarterback in one of the best systems in football under Belichick, and I'm interested to see whether that's your opinion or whether you have a lot of respect for Brady and, and what he can do on a, in a different system. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's my take. Brady would still be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time if he didn't play in a system. Um, I think the system. Okay. I think the system and under Belichick, because Belichick's such a great coach, made him the greatest quarterback of all time. 
he still would be one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. I just don't think he would have won six championships. I think he may have won like two or three um, if he didn't. Because I think he's – in terms of having a clutch, like being, like being that clutch, that's not a system. That's just who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, if, if, look, if you put Aaron Rodgers in that system, I don't think he would be as good as Brady, you know, because I think Aaron Rodgers in terms of talent is unbelievable, but – I don't think he would be quite as good as what Brady is what Brady was in that system because I think Brady Brady's uh, intelligence alone I think you know puts him in that system to be successful more so than I think other quarterbacks will be. Um, you know there 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 are people out there definitely like you know you look at like Max Kellerman or some guy like that who are like you know Brady's a system quarterback or whatever but and a lot of people believe that you know because I mean like you know. You know, Matt Castle looked pretty decent in that system, and Jimmy Garoppolo looked good in that system, but they're not Brady. You know, I mean, Brady just like has that yeah. different feel, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I Garoppolo is a pretty good quarterback. He's pretty he's good. I mean, he's, 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 he's San Francisco. Like, yeah, pretty good quarterback. They didn't need him that much because of their their running offense, but I mean, when he needed to throw the ball, there were times when he stepped up big and and showed what he can do running the system. So yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that, I think here's the thing about Tom Brady um, that I'll say is the way he take cares, takes care of his body, too, is uh, something that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and I think that's the reason why he's able to perform so well when he's older because he, like LeBron, takes care of his body so well and is prepared for what's going to happen each NFL season because he's just – you know, he's, he's one of those geniuses that – uh, you know, you don't see a lot. Like Peyton Manning was one of those guys. Um, you know, you have like, uh, you know, John Elway and Joe Montana or some guys like that too who just like, you know, didn't have to be the most athletic quarterback, but like, you know, were prepared for each situation they could enter into. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think Tom Brady, you know, definitely benefited from the system a little, but I, I don't think he was to the extent uh, – benefiting from it uh like people think like I, I don't think it made him who he was i think he was great and it made him even better in a sense i agree with you uh, spoken like a true pats fan <laughs> i'm not a pats fan i'm a giants fan my friend <laughs> the, 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 the only thing our terrible giants have to say is we won two super bowls against the patriots and that's basically it and that's basically the reason why eli manning may get in the hall of fame is because of those <laughs> two super bowls yeah, well, one of them took a miracle. Oh, uh, not disagreeing with you there, but it happened. So, you know, I guess we were destined to win that day. Um, I mean, I guess I guess Butler's interception against the Seahawks could also be a miracle that they didn't run the football with Marshawn Lynch. But yeah, but you know, I I you know it was it was it's definitely interesting. I think that the NFL season is going to be the way it is next year. But I'm excited for it, and. Um, you know, I'm actually going to be probably playing, uh, paying a little bit closer attention uh, to see what happens because of all the changes that have been happening. Like, you know, the NFC West could be totally different next year. I mean, you have the Cardinals who now have DeAndre Hopkins. The Chargers are going to be pretty bad next year because they lost Phillip Rivers and those guys. Um, you know, I mean, the 49ers and Seahawks are still going to be very good. And then you have the Rams who, you know, could be very good next year. They, they, they get rid of Todd Gurley, which I'm a little confused about. Um but, I mean, I don't think Todd Gurley was maybe performing at, and, and his health was probably the issue, I think, there. But, you know, th- that, that could be a very tough conference now because, you know, you have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins who could be a very dangerous duo if they put it together correctly, you know. Um, 
you know, people were thinking about that with Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr., and clearly that didn't work out last year. So you have to see – you have to – my opinion with guys who have great rookie years, you have to always look at year two more closely because that will determine if they're – in my opinion, if they're actually an elite quarterback or not. Um, they could be really good year three. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm saying they, they have to show me within year two or year three that they can take that next step. Um, yeah. They can't just be like, oh, yeah, you know, I had a good rookie year and then I'm going to regress my sophomore year. Uh, and then, 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 then the third year I'm going to be fine. Um, you know, that, that's not really, in my opinion, going to, you know, fill me with happiness and confidence. Like Daniel Jones is a perfect example. If Daniel Jones does not play well this year, I'm not going to have faith in the Giants with quarterbacks for a while, you know. But he didn't have a bad rookie year. So, like, if he can actually, like, perform somewhat better this year um, – with, he did not have the greatest rookie year, though. He played a lot better toward the end of the year, though. Um, you know, I, like you know, he, his his big problem is fumbling the football, which is you know a common thing with a lot of rookies. Like they just, they have things to work on. But I'm saying, like he's an example. Like if he has a good second year, then you know that can fill me with confidence. But I mean, the Giants are still going to be awful this year. But you know, it's just it's just an interesting situation. You know, I think that the NFL played out the way it did, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm just, I'm interested to see what goes on, and you know, I'm obviously keeping updated with some of the sports stuff, but you know, it's more just been watching, you know, first take and you know, hearing some stuff every day that are not necessarily the greatest things, and listening to Skip Bayless just say how bad, bad LeBron James is, and you know, that kind of stuff is just, it's not necessarily giving me the content I want. So, um, but I, I, I to keep you occupied. Though, yeah. Sometimes, you know. Well, I appreciate you being on, man, and uh, you know. Uh, you know, stay safe, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on again. Of course, anytime, Mike. Thanks for having me on, bud. All right, dude.